Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I come to work with two hands every day and I'm trying to bless somebody. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. You can get on a podcast. You can get online. You can argue with the clouds. You can argue with the, with the Russian bots. Don't care. Good morning. It's Tuesday, October 4th. Welcome to the podcast sponsored by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation, the makers of Lecvio and Clizzerin. The Prince of Pickups himself, Andy Barons, is here to advise us on all on how to approach the waiver wire for this week. Andy, um, we're 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 running on peak efficiency here. I I realized we had to do this podcast like ten minutes before we had to start. I was like, oh right, this is scheduled for for noon. I better stop. I better run up from the home gym and take a shower real quick. So I'm sweating my ass off. People are sweating their fantasy teams out there. How are you doing, Andy? <laughs> uh, I'm good. I was a I was a duke last week. I'm a prince this week. I feel like I'm ascending in the in the royal hierarchy. So that's awesome. Um, it was a it was a good Sunday. Like I like waking up to a London game and then having a and then just having like a great primetime game at the like the bookends on yeah. week four at least on Sunday. So good that Viking Saints game. Uh, questionable cast of characters involved in it, but it was a really fun game. And then obviously Kansas City and Tampa was magnificent. Yeah, really. I mean, one kind of one-sidedly magnificent. We'll talk about that game later. But um, anytime, you know, Mahomes can go out there and put on anyone, any quarterback can go out there and put on a show like that. I don't need to hear about like, oh, the score wasn't competitive. Like it, that's entertaining. We're here to be entertained, right? Yeah. So uh, if you don't like that, I don't know what to tell you. But we will get into all the pickups for this week. We also have a beefy injury laden news section. But before we get into all that, you've heard us talk about it every week on this show. If you're not already playing Daily Fantasy on Yahoo, now is the time to start. To get started, go to yahoo.com slash daily fantasy and use promo code Harmon15. Oh man, what a promo code! Or just you got a promo code? (laughs) Oh my god, (laughs) that's right, man! I've been here so long; they never gave me a promo code. You're the prince of pickups. I've got myself a (laughs) got myself a promo code, pal. I'll take that over any royal title. You can also just click the link in this episode description, then use the code Harmon15. That's right, Andy Harmon15 on your first deposit of five bucks or more, and Yahoo will give you an extra fifteen dollars in site credit that comes right out of Andy Barron's salary, so you'd really love to see that. <laughs> Again, that's code H-A-R-M-O-N-1-5 to get your first deposit bonus. The code is active until October 9th and cannot be combined with other bonuses. Rewards program terms apply. Okay, on to the show. 
Andy, I swear if there's you. a Del Don 15, I'm, I'm walking out. Uh, Triple D 15. We'll, we'll have to work <laughs> on that one, man. <laughs> we, lo- we love to see it. All right. On to the rest of the show. Like I said, pretty beefy news section here. And, and you know, some of this will mix into our waiver wire advice so we can you know get right into that. First one up, Scott and I talked about it yesterday. We now have clarity that Javante Williams, oh man, what a bummer. Torn ACL, he's out for the season. Ian Rapport also added that in addition to having a torn ACL, the MRI revealed a torn LCL and posterior lateral corner. I mean, good Lord. Uh, it's a significant injury, and it's a long road back, as Ian Rapport notes. Um, this sounds kind of strikingly familiar to, like, you know, some of these injuries like J.K. Dobbins, right, where he got injured in preseason and there was more than just an ACL. And we've seen, like, Dobbins now week four is just finally starting to get back, Andy. So huge bummer because I, I wrote this in my Care, Don't Care recap last night. I, I think Williams has been their most impressive, most consistent, and best offensive player so far in Denver, which obviously that sucks when you trade all that money and give a big contract to a quarterback, but they're still clearly trying to figure things out from that side. But Williams looked like the dude in this offense, and now they're going to be without him the rest of the way. Yeah, I I think that is not only true in terms of him being the most impressive offensive player on Denver's roster, but also like we were going to get rid of this committee. Um, and I've been, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of Melvin Gordon. I think Melvin Gordon is a, is a, is a very good player. Um, the ball security issues had become significant enough that it sure seemed at least the way they began week four, like it was just going to be the Javante Williams show. Right. And so everybody who's been screaming on Twitter for two years to, to feed Javante was, was probably going to get it which means that Javante was going to be one of the right answers in fantasy. And it's just we're we're deprived of, you know, 14 weeks of Javante Williams career, um, which sucks. Uh, Might be more. Again, I, I'd prepare for yeah. maybe a little bit more, you know, going forward. Yeah, because he's just a he's just a fantastic watch. And he's also like he was just again, he was going to be one of the right answers in our game because he was pretty clearly coming into an even larger workload. And you weren't going to have to, you know, it sure looked like Melvin or Mike Boone or whoever, like they were just going to become sort of rotational guys who stepped in when when Javante needed a breather because they opened that game with like it was going to be the Javante show, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you mentioned it. Uh, Melvin Gordon fumbles in that game. And you know when he fumbled, I thought to myself, like, every running back out there gets punished for fumbles, except Melvin Gordon, it seems. Like, he, is, he has managed to have a fumbling problem, especially in his Denver years, but really probably throughout the course of his career, he's had a fumbling problem and was really seemingly never lost like you know a lot of work for it. But then, of course, he fumbles in the, I think it was in the second quarter. And then in the second half, after, obviously, Javante Williams only plays one snap, gets hurt. 15 snaps for Mike Boone, eight snaps for Melvin Gordon, four touches uh, for Boone, two touches for Melvin Gordon. It's also worth noting that Mike Boone had what I you know, might consider a drop uh, late as, as Denver were trying to come back in that game. But it's not nearly as disappointing as, obviously, the fumbling problem for Gordon. So you're right. This was probably going to get narrowed down to... Um, I'm not 100% sure I buy that because they were even mixing in Mike Boone in like week three, which is really not what Javante Williams needed to see. But regardless, I I do think this makes it a little less clear going forward as to who's going to be the guy behind Williams. And it just it does really suck for for Williams, who I agree with you was looking like the right answer again in, in some ways not quite in the, the fashion that we thought because he was doing a lot of damage on like a per route basis as a receiver, which was bizarre, right? Like he was the target of many of those Russell Wilson check down missiles that he was throwing to running backs. Uh, <laughs> so that was going to be a big boost for him. But yeah, going forward, I mean, 
do how do you feel like this split works out between Gordon and Boone? Um, I assume, first of all, since they had a player as talented as Javante Williams and they were they were using him in essentially a 50 50 uh, committee that they're going to stick with a committee. Right. Like if you had a guy that good and you put him in a committee, you're, you're definitely doing it with uh, with Melvin and Boone. I, it's probably uh, you know, I, if people if people have Melvin Gordon on a roster and they're and, the, and they're trying to pat themselves on the back for it and thinking that, OK, now I've got this featured guy. I, I doubt it. Um, I would imagine it's something like 55, 45, 50, 50. Um, the coaching staff had clearly run out of patience with Gordon. Um, he was, as, as you mentioned, not getting like the typical Melvin Gordon workload in, uh, in week four already. The, the fumbles had just, you know, I feel like, I feel like his rookie season, he was definitely a fumbler. He's always had a little bit of an issue with it, like in terms of like four or five a year, but this is like, this is like five and four games, right? And I think he's lost four of them. One of which uh, completely, you know, if it didn't decide the game against the Raiders, it turned the game against the Raiders for sure. Um, So he was clearly losing touches. I I think he gets a bailout now. I I think he's probably a 50% guy again. He's, you know, when he holds onto the ball, he's good. That's right. That's been the problem for for um, the the Javon. I don't even know what to call them. The Javante Williams, like true believers. And they should like, listen, they should have been true. believers. The 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 Williams cohort. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like he was really good, but the problem was M- Melvin Gordon wasn't very far down the ranks in terms of all the things that you like to cite about Javante Williams, right? Like Melvin Gordon has played very well again when he holds on to the football. Mike Boone, we'll, we can get into in the pickups a little bit. We can talk about him now. Um, he's been a pre- we were we were discussing it before the pod started. Just a preseason legend, right? Like back to the Minnesota days. He he was just he was just a guy who would who would absolutely erupt in preseason. Most fantasy managers will remember him for the notorious face plant in cha- in championship week in 2019. He was like the most added player in the in the you know <laughs> yeah, biggest right. week on the fantasy calendar. And then because um, I, I Delvin Cook had a shoulder, Alexander Madison might have been dinged too, and and Mike Boone was was set to just go supernova. And I think he gave us like 20 some rushing yards, right? And then the following week in week 17, when nobody's playing for anything, not, th- yeah. then he went off. Then he then he went for like 160 total yards, something like that. But anyway, that's that's the guy we're chasing here because um, he's actually available in like something like 99% of Yahoo leagues, right? While Melvin is taken in 70 plus percent. Yeah. Uh, week three, like I mentioned, uh, Mike Boone got on the field for 13 offensive snaps and ran a route on every single one of those snaps. He only got one target. He didn't actually touch the ball ever at all, but they were sort of kind of mixing him in anyways before this, uh, which he had, was going to be a, a really bad drop against the Raiders. Um, he had a really yes. bad drop against the Raiders. And the week before, I want to say it was the week. I mean, he's caught like two of five balls and a couple of them yeah. have been pretty clear drops, which is funny, too, because I wouldn't profile him as the passing guy in this right. offense anyway. It's like Melvin Gordon has had an has had a passing down role for you know early parts of his Chargers career. So. I think also we'll again we'll talk more about the backfield split when we get to pickups, but this just keeps it, it makes me continue to worry about the the Broncos offense overall. Um, I already thought coming into this year, and I've I've said it several times that they were going to get off to a slow start, that they were kind of an overrated unit talent wise, anyways. And this is now two key pieces that they've lost in Tim Patrick in training camp, and now Javante Williams here early in the season. Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, I still think those guys have they've been fine in fantasy but I think they've been up and down real life players and then you know KJ Hamler like 
I think they said yesterday on the broadcast, oh, that's his first catch of the season. I was like, that's his first catch yeah. of the season? <laughs> because he's been off and on with this, like, recovering from a serious injury himself. I don't know, man. Offensive line is is playing kind of mixed so far. Russell definitely been a mixed bag. So I, I'm still, I remain very concerned about the Broncos overall. Um, this is not the way I, you'd be wanting it to trend, considering they did not get off to a great start this year offensively. Yeah, it's a it's a totally valid concern. And to to your point that you were making, you know, preseason when we were wondering about the Broncos and like what what if it's not perfect right away? This is a different team altogether. But Naheem Hines had some some really interesting and really candid comments about yeah. like what you probably read the same thing, right? About like what it's yep. been like over the past few years, new quarterback absolutely every season, talking about the the growing pains that they have to they have to revisit every summer with a with an even though they're veteran quarterbacks and he he you know he was so diplomatic too like he didn't throw anybody under the bus it wasn't sure, yeah. like a major criticism of Matt Ryan it was simply the fact of having to break in a new quarterback absolutely every offseason and so they're not like a team that gets to build off of what they did the year prior right and that's it's kind of what Denver's going through right now and it doesn't matter how talented everybody is it's still a reset yeah, and maybe we could just move right into the Jonathan Taylor news off of that because it just it flows well, Andy. But um, <laughs> I do think, and I know fantasy managers hate to hate to hear it, and I know even NFL fans hate to hear it, and you know, some media hates to hear it. But like, I think that's what September is for a lot of these teams that don't like really go hard in the paint for preseason, and especially yeah. teams that. Um, have a lot of transition like the Broncos did. Um, I mean, the Packers to a certain degree, they're, they're breaking in an offense without a superstar player, even if it's not a quarterback. Um, you know, the, the Colts are certainly this version. And it's funny too, Andy, because I read those Naheem Hines quotes and it also you know, struck in my head too that not only are they breaking in a new quarterback every year, it's like a different style of guy, right? Like yeah, they go from yeah. they go from Jacoby Brissett to Philip Rivers to then Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan. There might be some overlap between Matt Ryan and Philip Rivers, but that was like two years ago in the NFL. Might as well be a freaking lifetime, right? Like that was in right. 2020. Give me a break. So, um, I did take some some credence to that. And the good news coming out of Colts, uh, you know, if, if there's any good news coming out of the Colts right now, it's that <laughs> tests on, on Jonathan Taylor's ankle were negative. He actually has a chance to play on Thursday night, uh, according to a source said to Adam Schefter. So that was surprising. Uh, Colts have also ruled out linebacker Shaquille Leonard with a concussion for week five against the Broncos. We're talking about these two teams. They're going to play on Thursday night. I, I haven't seen what the opening line is, but. I mean, give me the under on this game. This is not these are two teams that are not off the hot start so far this year. Yeah, I'm I, I would always be surprised if a guy who suffers an injury that seems serious in the moment um, and has to come back for a Thursday night game, if he actually plays, that would be that would be a little shocking to me. It's it's pretty murky in that backfield, too. Like, uh, it, obviously, Naheem Hines is there, is a veteran, is a good player, but doesn't really profile as somebody that you're just going to feed the ball 25 or 30 times, right? He probably just has the Naheem Hines role. And they make do with, you know, whether it's Philip Lindsay off the practice squad, whether it's whether it's Deion Jackson, like, guys... I mean, I, we all know what Lindsay is. Um, it's, it's less certain what Deion Jackson is. It's not going to be great. There's nobody here that is Jonathan Taylor. Um, and Jonathan Taylor right now isn't necessarily the peak version of Jonathan Taylor. So this is going to be really ugly. Deion Jackson, man. I mean, come on. That's a <laughs> undrafted in 2021 coming out of Duke. That's a, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Philip Lindsay, yeah. by the way, is like 
the shine has really come off of Philip Lindsay after he had like an interesting start to his career again. But it is a revenge game against the Broncos, so do keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the other big running back news of the day: Cordero Patterson is headed to IR. Pretty big bummer because I think this was uh, set up to be a good season uh, for him. Scott and I were talking about it on the podcast last night. Like he obviously came into this game pretty banged up. Uh, Ian Rapport said he was dealing with the injury last week, played through it despite serious pain, but he should return right at four weeks. Um, the Falcons are, are already kind of a shallow offensive unit to begin with, and now they're losing a guy that's run pretty well for them in Cordero Patterson. Yeah, it's a it's a bummer in part because it's such a unique story, right? And this is yeah. like Cordell Patterson's career is just unlike any other, right? There's there's nobody who comes in as an elite return man who manages to transition to two different positions and and you know perform you know adequately well as a receiver and then great as a running back this is wild i just i can't think of of another case like this um so really interesting career really fun player it's a bummer it's great that it's not a worst case scenario it seems like probably the responsible thing for the team to do but looking at that backfield damian williams is still on ir he went on ir early in the season with a rib issue and is going to be there, I think, until week six at the earliest. Um, there haven't really been many updates on him. It's it's a rib thing, so I wouldn't imagine it's going to cost him uh, a, an extraordinary amount of time. Uh, Tyler Algier has looked, I mean, he looked really good in week four. Um, but Caleb Huntley also looked kind of good in week right. four. He, he actually managed to score. They each saw 10 carries. Algier doubled up uh, Huntley in terms of snaps. And Algier's got a little juice as a receiver. Um, finish the game with over 100 total yards. Looks really good. So we're we're getting a nice little we're we're gonna get like a one or two week look at these guys. And Algier is the player that I've been I, I don't know I don't know that I'm most heavily invested in him, but I got him stashed in a lot of places. It's a it's not an ideal matchup coming up. Right? Like they hit a <laughs> they hit a tough patch of the schedule. It's Tampa Bay, and that might be the Niners after that. So this is not yeah. this is not the idea. There are some headwinds here, um, but they at least get you know an opportunity at a at a pretty significant role. Yeah, it, it feels a little and you know knock on wood whatever. It feels a little uh, straightforward with the whole Caleb Huntley Tyler Algier thing, like you mentioned. Algier, 24 snaps. He definitely played on like third down passing situations. He ran um, eight routes to just one for Huntley. Um, obviously, Cordero Patterson figured in as well with five routes. Uh, he had 11 touches overall, 10 for Huntley, but Huntley had two at the goal line. So like it, it kind of seems like Huntley's their banger. Algier, though, might have more passing down equity, which I, I, if I'm looking at a Falcons back, you know, I probably want the guy with more passing down equity than goal line equity yeah. because this offense still is like, I mean, Marcus Mariota has to be one of the most disappointing like players that a bunch of fantasy folks like me talked about and, and, and got pretty excited about coming into this last week. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think this offense is still trying to find itself. So I'll, I'll take the passing down back over the banger back there in Huntley. I haven't I haven't watched this full game yet, like start to finish. It seemed to me that Huntley basically got a series, right? Like most of his carries, most of his snaps were like a single series got the goal line plunge on that one like obviously obviously looked good but i would i'd be surprised if algier doesn't end up having a, a either a three to one or certainly a two to one edge in uh, in snaps yeah that makes sense okay a couple other quick ones here Traylon burks rookie wide receiver left yesterday's game with the foot injury he's been diagnosed with turf toe there's a chance uh, maybe by the time you're listening to this that he's going to be placed on ir he's definitely going to miss some time which 
two I had two reactions to this. One, it lets off every fantasy man like how many fantasy analysts over the entire <laughs> weeks one to four is like, this is the week for Traylon Burks. This is the week for Traylon Burks. We can be let off the hook now. You don't have to you don't have to do that every single week now. Um, but also, and more importantly, I think this is a huge bummer for Burks, who I've said this a, a couple of times throughout this year, is basically playing a new position with the fact that he's not playing this like gadget slot you know backfield yeah. role and he's been running out as the pure x receiver for the tennessee titans he needs those reps because he's just not ready to be like that guy on a route by route basis and i think we've seen that over you know he really wasn't looking that great even yesterday before the injury unfortunately so he's a developmental player it could come together in time but losing reps like this i always hate to see it for a young wide receiver because like that's making this massive transition. Like Drake London missed all that time in preseason, but it's like, okay, he'll just go back out there and do what he did in college, which was basically what he's done in the NFL. He's been an X receiver and he's yeah. been dominant at it. Burks is, is making a huge transition. And now with the time off, it's just, it's another hurdle for a guy that I think already had hurdles to jump. Yeah. It's a, it's such a good point. And um, for people who haven't either had this injury themselves, which I hope you haven't, or who haven't like managed a fantasy team and had one of their stars affected by it, this isn't just like, a, oh, three weeks and you're fine in many cases. Like sometimes this Sucks. is even when they come back, they are far less efficient and they are in a lot of pain. And it is really hard to do anything other than, you know, like you can run, but you can only run in a straight line and everything else hurts. And it's, you know, it is often something where it's it's kind of see you next year. Yeah, which is, again, just a huge bummer for a guy that I think needed the reps so we'll see what happens with Burks the rest of the way I, I'm, I think we'll probably see him towards the back half of the year um, but it's going to be a little bit a couple other pieces of news here Mike McDaniel announces that Tua Tugavailoa is going to be out versus the Jets he's still in the c concussion protocol obviously <laughs> after what we saw the last couple of weeks that's good and, and probably to be expected so Teddy Bridgewater will get the start against the Jets uh, defense that you know, it's not a good matchup for uh, guys like Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. Like those two with their speed, with their route running should fillet that secondary, which has been filleted quite often this year. Yeah, it's the, the Dolphins receivers are just like an unsolvable problem because you might be able to scheme to stop one guy with like four two speed. But I don't know. I don't know what you do with two guys like that. Um, they're so good. And it's, you know, normally you think of Teddy as, as sort of a, I don't know, like a paint by numbers sort of quarterback, right? He's not super inventive or anything like that. He's not going to push the ball downfield 70 yards, 75 yards put every ounce of strength he had into that throw to Tyreek uh, on, on Thursday night. But with these receivers, uh, it's it's a little different. Like I can see his ceiling being a little bit higher than we would normally uh, than we would normally consider it. Last thing here, Adam Schefter reports. And by the way, you know, you are down bad as a franchise when I read this news item and I'm like, oh, man, that's a bummer. Schefter reports that Panthers quarterback <laughs> Sam Darnold. Yes, that Sam Darnold is now eligible to come off injured reserve, but he's still not close not close. The savior Sam Darnold is not close to being back <laughs> from his high ankle sprain he suffered in late August per source. Uh, it, it, it's still in the words of said source, according to Schefter, going to be a while. If you look at like any, you know, EPA per drop back completion percentage over expectation, like a couple guys, you know, they do like the, the, the graphs, right? Where X axis, Y axis is each metric. Baker Mayfield is like at the bottom corner he is I, I i i'm struggling to think about um 
I'm really struggling to think about like a worst, a, like a worst quarterback that I've seen over the last like two years running out like as the starter early in the season. It is it is really, really that bad. It's hard to over exaggerate. It's pretty wild because he had an injury related excuse last season. Um, but just thinking back to where he was after a pretty promising rookie year, um, you know, there was conversation about, boy, Browns are going to have to pay him. That's that's this is a 35, 40 million dollar quarterback. Right. And now now we're at the stage where I mean, it's such an indictment of Mayfield that we're even giving Sam Darnold updates that this is even a yes. like a whether it's fantasy relevant or NFL relevant at all. It is such an indictment of the player. And then, hey, let's look at the Panthers schedule next three weeks. Niners, Rams, Bucks like it it gets challenging in a hurry. Like they're they're actually through some of the easiest weeks that they're going to have. And now they're, now they're coming into like some real defenses, you know. So um, this is this is a pretty bleak stretch. I, I we're, we're at a stage where I think only McCaffrey is is obviously startable. Yeah, I was tweeting with um, fellow scorned Panthers fan. Um Josh Norris about it this morning. He made the point that uh, his co-host on the underdog football show, Hayden Wink said like a squeaky wheel gets the grease game for DJ Moore's like six for 50. And it's like, Oh, that's great. <laughs> what a, what a win for DJ Moore 50 yards. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like such an idiot for saying over the summer, like when they were had a quarterback competition between, you know, Darnold and Baker, like oh, enough already. Like, I don't want to hear Sam Darnold about yeah. And now like we're here in week four, like, and by the way, I just want to be clear. I do not give a damn about the Panthers. Like, I, I haven't been a real fan of the Panthers since, like, probably, the, I don't know, 12 years ago. Um, but it's just depressing. It's just depressing. Now I'm like, okay, where's Sam Darnold? Like, can he come back? I, hey, Sam Darnold was pretty good in the first three weeks of last year before everything went to hell. Nothing's really gone to hell for the Panthers except Baker Mayfield so far this year, which is a tough look. I will say that Sam Darnold can be, like, funny bad and baker mayfield is just sort of a, a sad yeah. bad <laughs> that that is a perfect way of putting it you're right sam darnold will at least try to do cool cool stuff and fail yes. baker can't i mean can't even do the basic stuff it's it's so bad uh, and baker after the game like we we could either let you guys divide us or we could come together <laughs> oh my god baker <laughs> enough already that's cute that's cute when you're like on a good team you're not so enough already okay Let's move on here to Sunday night football. Chiefs 41, Buccaneers 31. I mean, Mahomes just doing some outrageous stuff in this game, especially in the first half. Some real alien stuff, Andy. But there's a lot of like big time fantasy takeaways here in this game as well. What what jumps out to you first? Um, the uh the running back usage for the for the Chiefs is always interesting because like CEH has been doing this and see I don't I don't even know where he is right now in the in the year-to-date running back scoring situation, but he's surely top five, right? Like he came in as like a top six fantasy running back without even really playing. Like this was the first game where he even saw like over 50% of the snaps, right? Like he plays like 40% of the snaps most weeks. Got a got a big He's running workload. back four, by the way. He's he's the yeah. RB four in, in Yahoo scoring. I mean, he's literally barely playing um, a huge <laughs> percentage of his touches or touchdowns, but also he's a chief. So like that, sometimes, sometimes that's life in the chiefs offense. I mean, Damian Williams had like a half season or six games or seven games or whatever in which he was carrying us and he was doing it on like 10 touches, 12 touches a game, right? He didn't even get full workload. So like this has happened in Kansas city before probably shouldn't be shocking, that alone is wild. Like where he is in the year to date scoring situation is pretty wild. And then 
Isaiah Pacheco came into this game and it was it was seemed pretty clear that not only was Collinsworth uh, enamored with him, but um, had had been fed some Pacheco propaganda uh, in the in the run up to the game. That was fun, too. And he just like he looked electric like it's fun. Um, Pacheco looked really good. Obviously, if something were to happen to CEH, Pacheco would get really interesting in a hurry. Fun player. Also, a, like a little bit of a wild story, if if you watched any Big Ten football over the last three years or so, it's crazy that we're at this point with Isaiah Pacheco, who was just mired in a dreadful situation with Rutgers, was was pretty inefficient as a college runner, and now that he's sort of freed, and now that he gets a now that he gets a free run to the line of scrimmage on a great team, like he just absolutely looks electric. So he was he was really fun as well. Um, in a in a general sense, what a pleasure to watch this game. I loved uh, Patrick Mahomes in his postgame comments was asked about, you know, oh, if this is the last time that he's meeting Tom Brady and gave a great answer, something to the effect of how he, people keep telling him that this is going to be the last time that he meets Tom Brady and Tom <laughs> yeah, Brady, like, right. just keeps showing up. So, like, I I don't I don't know if this is the last time, but it was it was a joy, like like almost 800 total yards of offense here, 72 total points, total fun. Yeah, um, on the backfield stuff. You know, CEH, Scott and I talked about him dirt like Scott said something about CEH. So we had to bring him up several times during the recap podcast. Just we don't normally react live to the game, but it was just because we had said some. I can't remember now. You know, my brain's fried at this point, but I can't remember what, exactly what we said about uh, CEH. But it was like he scores two touchdowns. He has that brutal, brutal drop when he's wide open. Probably could have moonwalked into the end zone. It's, he'd um, still so, be running. Yeah. Yeah. He'd still be running. Right. Like uh, that's the CEH experience. But it, it is funny that. We've kind of come full circle with CEH that all we cared about when he came in in the NFL, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't care about how good he is, but he's the Chiefs running back, right? Like, And, yeah. and that's kind of where we're at still. Although, yeah, it's like when Pacheco gets in there, it does it feels a little different, right? He brings some a little more pop to it, a little more physicality. So I'm sure we'll hear more from Pacheco going forward. But, I mean, for now, CEH, like, he's on every – and this is one of my things where it's like, uh, is anybody does this is this stuff like even actionable information? Like you could sit there and say like, oh, CEH is sell high, sell high, sell high. But like, who's who's really going out of their way to trade CEH? I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong about that. But I feel like you just ride this train until until the wheels fall off, right? Because how many other running backs are really out there giving you like this sort of weekly ceiling? Yeah, I, I think you do. And like the it's not like the CEH brand is so strong among fantasy managers. No, right? no like, it is not. It is not. It's actually quite the opposite. Yeah, we're talking we're talking about four games here. And every almost everybody who plays our game has been burned by CEH at some yes. point or at least been, you know, mildly inconvenienced by CEH at some point. So I don't. I don't think you're going to sell him as if he's a as if he's a top five running back. I don't think you're fetching that price for CEH right now. And like, I don't know, he might regress, but the Chiefs offense probably isn't going to regress. There's still just a ton of yards and points here, and he's well positioned to get a pretty good share of that. So I don't like you're you're absolutely not going to land. I don't know, Jonathan Taylor, you're not going to land like some running back who's off to a slow start, who is an obvious, you know, who is an obvious win. So I, I, I'd probably ride him too. Chiefs receiver core. The only thing I'll note, um, look like Juju is what he is, right? Um, I know people are still kind of pissed off about Juju, but like he's, he's probably what you drafted him as, which is like a, a wide receiver three that you don't feel great about. I think the upside case for him is probably a little diminished at this point. Um, 
This I, is I one of those seasons for Juju, by the way, where like if he just stays healthy, he's going to have like a weird, sneaky wide receiver 18 finish or something like that. And you'll just like and he's going to do it based on a bunch of, you know, 14 point weeks that didn't really help you win. Yeah, for sure. Unless he starts scoring touchdowns, which, is, you know, there's yeah. no indication he's going to start scoring touchdowns. So we'll see. Um, I would also note, too, that Sky Moore did get a little more involved in this game. 11 routes, 36.4 percent targets per route run. I know it's been a little weird that he hasn't played at all, but and I'm not g- advising you to go pick him up, but I won't be surprised if in a couple of weeks we're talking about him as like a getting an early guy when he starts to leap a guy like McCole Hardman. I, MVS, I mean, I know he had a couple of big catches down the field, but ugh, come on, man, like they're playing MVS way too much. So I, anything on the Bucks side? I mean, it was really uh, this was this was the Bucks team we were promised, right? This was the Bucks team that. I didn't want to be starting freaking Marcus Mariota over t- this version of Tom Brady. Uh, I wanted to be starting Mariota over the version of Tom Brady we got last week, right? Because all the guys were out there healthy. I mean, Julio Jones, he's he's questionable. His, I got the you know weekly notification that he's questionable after the game <laughs> on my phone. That's of course going to happen. But you know the guys that are the established players in this in this uh, receiver core, Mike Evans goes off. This was definitely the Mike Evans I was excited to see this year. 103 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah. Clear-cut best receiver on the team. Chris Godwin, uh, 7 for 10 in terms of catches on targets. Uh, you know, Leonard Fournette was involved as a uh, as a receiver. Uh, what, el- what else do we got here from the, uh, from the Bucks offense? Well, you mentioned earlier that, like, Melvin Gordon is the only guy who previously hadn't had to really pay for his fumbles. Um, R- Rashad White had a, had a fumble on the opening kickoff um, yes, he did. that could have sent him into exile, but he actually got, you know, he got a fair amount of run. Um, scored a touchdown in this game, looked really good. It's, you know, it's been kind of nice to see. Like Rashad White didn't have to pay a heavy penalty for an early fumble. They probably, honestly, as well as Kansas City was playing, like the game turned like after the opening kickoff and then it just seemed, it seemed like a runaway train for Kansas City. Um, so it was good to see Rashad White get involved and, uh, and, and play reasonably well. That was that was excellent. It was also just nice to see this offense like when most of the receiving core is in place and functional like this is what it is. Brady finally with a with a healthy dose of pass attempts. Right. I think he threw the ball 52 times and he's like he's obviously still great. I know that people had been disappointed with the early returns, but even in the games where he wasn't really helping you, that guy's that guy still spins it. He's still he's still got a great arm and great timing. And, uh, you know, the problem was he was throwing to Brashad Perriman and Scotty Miller and Cole Beasley. And now he's back to throwing to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. We did have a couple of injury scares here. Um, Godwin, yeah. again, like slow to get up on a play. And you were like, oh, no, don't let this happen. Seems like he's he's come out of it just fine. And then Brady himself um, was, you know, stretching out the shoulder a little bit after a sack. Seems like he's going to be okay as well. Yeah, we'll talk more about Rashad White in the running back pickup section, which we're going to get to right after this break. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. 
All right, Andy, let's jump into our pickups for the week. Let's start at the running back position. and We can just pick it right up at Rashad White, who you have on the list here. The Bucs had my <laughs> they had three total yards from their running backs in this game, which is pretty hilarious. Uh, those three <laughs> yards do belong to Rashad White, who also popped in a touchdown. Um, he actually outsnapped Leonard Fournette in the second half. Um, I don't know if that's like a thing going forward, but... We've talked about him as a guy that, like, in the getting in early section on this show, pretty much I feel like every week. I I like that you have him now graduated as a guy that you should probably go ahead and, like, make sure Rashad White is stuck at the end of your bench just in case. Yeah, I think the primetime touchdown does it, right? Like, we're not getting in early anymore. Like, that was a a pretty clear signal. They've also... If, I mean, Leonard Fournette coming into week four had played virtually every snap for that team, which is which is not usually a sustainable situation for any player. Um, Najee Harris managed to kind of sort of do it last year. And obviously McCaffrey had the season where he did it. But it's not that's 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 tough. Um, not many yeah. people make it through that. So they're going to have to get somebody else involved. White is a wonderful receiver like his, you know, not not to say that I watched every game of his in college, but he was one of my, he was one of my favorite backs to watch in the lead up to the draft. Um, just a really, really gifted receiver. It's pretty easy to imagine a scenario where anything at all happens to Leonard Fournette, even an injury that he's playing through, um, that creates playing time for Rashad White. If he's getting, uh, if he's getting double digit touches a game in a Tom Brady led offense, I'm super interested in that. So he's not at the top of the board for me for pickups this week at running back. And I know this is a a week when people are going to have a a great need with the Patterson situation, the Javante situation, but he is somebody who could be an absolute home run late in the year. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, I agree. Like he should just be, and and a couple of the other guys like here that you have, like Isaiah Pacheco, we talked about him. The only other guy, like you also have Mike Boone, you have Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley uh, and Deion Jackson or Philip Lindsay. I I have no idea. Um, Anything else you want to add specifically with these guys or we kind of cover it in the news? Yeah. We should almost treat Raheem Mostert separately. um, Yeah. Because he's, he's rostered in about 50% of Yahoo leagues. So I like to mention those guys here, you know, if they, if they reach a certain threshold, we don't talk about them, but, and it could very well be that the Miami backfield is just one that we want to stay away from, except that they keep producing usable weeks. Right. And it's not just that never easy the to... guy that you think. <laughs> right, 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 right. Like even in a week when Mostert like dominates the snaps and the touches as happened last week, he played like 72% of the snaps. Um, he was great. They fed him, but he's not the guy who found the end zone. That was Chase Edmonds, Chase Edmonds the week before, like getting goal line usage, finding the end zone. So this, this could be pretty frustrating, but it was at least notable that Mostert was, was the pretty clear number one last week. Again, that could flip. But you've got the Jets coming up on the schedule. Presumably, they're going to lean on the run just a bit. And most are, you know, in the most recent game um, appeared to be the guy. So if he's out there. I think he's definitely worth a claim. He's definitely worth a couple of uh, a couple of fab dollars. I think the guy that interests me most here is probably Mike Boone. But that is just that's just a loaded situation. You know, if I were if I were in a desperate situation, fantasy wise, like I was either winless or I was one in four you should start thinking anyway about just emptying the wallet on players yeah. because like realistically you get to one in five and the probability of you making the playoffs is not great. The probability of you winning the league is not great. So like you've probably, you've got probably got to have a pretty short time horizon. I think if I were well situated right now, I'm a three and one team, something like that. I'm not going to, not going to empty the wallet 
for Mike Boone, I think he's probably going to have like the best case scenario short term, I would imagine is a 50-50 split with Melvin. That wouldn't surprise me a whole lot. Melvin obviously has receiving credentials. He's the guy that I would prefer to have on a roster. That said, he was clearly doghoused uh, in in week four. Um, and, yeah. and that lasted even after Javante's injury. So and he's not I mean, he's not holding on to the football. So like I if if Melvin gets the lead role in week five against the Colts and comes out and has a first half fumble like that, you know, it's it's going to tilt back to Mike Boone. Like Melvin's probably one fumble away, two fumbles away from just not being a usable player at all for the Broncos in in Hackett's in Hackett's mind. So we've got to we've got to be aware of that. So Mike Boone, again, we talked about him earlier. He was a an almost hilarious fantasy disappointment a few years ago when he was like the guy to add for championship <laughs> yeah. week and then just had an absolute total dud. Um, so checkered history. He's been a great preseason player. We've not yet seen him for an extended period of time in in any sort of featured role, but there's such an opportunity in Denver right now. So Mike Boone probably has to be the priority. And again, I'm pretty interested in Tyler Algier, a guy that I'd already stashed in a in a million places for basically this exact scenario where um, the you know we've got a, we've got a running back who's north of 30 um, who suffered some injuries last year now is going to be gone for four weeks. Like there's a little bit of a runway for Algier where there's there's just no way over the next four weeks that Algier is not going to be a, you know, 12 touch, 15 touch, 16 touch a game player. Um, and that obviously has value in almost any league. Uh, yeah, and I, I keep kind of as you're talking, I'm trying to work through my thought here that, you know, oftentimes I say, like, you kind of want to just empty that fab early on. Now there's really never, there hasn't been a, like a running back that's emerged yet to, that's been like a season changer, right? Like Jeff Wilson yeah. has been fine. Any of these guys too. I don't think like Mike Boone, Tyler Algier and you know, whoever comes from the Colts um, obviously are going to be some kind of season saver or something like that. Mostly because all three of those offenses stink. Uh, like none of them are, you know, we just talk about CEH. Like if CEH went down, Isaiah Pacheco might be a season saver, right? Like if Leonard yes. Fournette went down, Rashad White might be a season saver. That's why we're kind of yes. trying to say that you should have these guys stashed away. Really, it's been the receivers that have been like, okay, if you emptied the fab for Garrett Wilson, I think you're probably going to feel okay about that. You know, that's kind of been the the position where, you know, guys have sort of kind of come out of nowhere and given you at least like weekly you know, weekly usability, even a guy like Curtis Samuel is still the wide receiver 15 um, in, in Yahoo standard scoring. So like, I don't know. It's the fab management is one of my weak that, that in trades, anything that involves like psychology, I think one, you, you can't even really give good <laughs> advice on as a, as a fantasy analyst. And two, I'm not really good at as a fantasy player, probably because I don't have the time to like <laughs> invest in that in my own leagues. Cause yeah, you know, it's a whole other thing, but anyways. Um, all right. Let's move well, I just to... think that once we're once we're in season, it becomes so situational. Um, and I yeah. like it becomes so I league sensitive. To... I mean, trades especially. People, I, yes. the, the worst question, Andy, to get is like, "Hey, I want to trade for this guy. Who should I offer?" It's like, dude, right. I, I, I'm I'm not I'm really not trying to be in, in like a jerk about this, right? When when people ask that question, but it's like, I don't know, man. Like, what does the person who has that guy on their roster? What do they need? What do you yeah. have? Like, I, I, it's impossible for me to answer unless we're going to spend 15 minutes together on the phone talking it over. And guess what? We're not going to do that. <laughs> one of the 
one of the things that I almost I almost regret doing it in the pickups column, but I always try to give like a recommended, you know, fab offer. But it's uh, again, it's so situational. And some of you um, like if you're sitting there at four and oh, you should be thinking about December. You should be thinking about, yeah, OK, exactly. what is what, what yeah. is the best version of my lineup in the most important weeks? Like because you're it's going to be hard for you to miss the playoffs. You can do it. You can still miss the playoffs. Like the buys haven't started yet and there's a million injuries ahead of us. You can still miss it, but you've got, you've banked four wins. That's a huge deal. If you're one and three, you're 0 and four, like you got to win. You got to, you got like you, your fab management should be about week five and week five alone. And, and some of you should be thinking much longer term. And, and listen, that that's where we get the rich get richer scenarios where those are the folks that are able to just throw a couple of fab bucks at, you know, Rashad White, Zamir White, players who are at Pacheco, players who can be stashed right now where there's not going to be like a bidding frenzy. Um, but there's going to be a one in three team in your league that throws $60, $50 at Mike Boone. I'm, I don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy. Like I, no, I think I the ceiling either, yeah. for Mike Boone is, is pretty limited. Be a great story if he actually blows up, but I think it's probably pretty limited. I think there's no path for him to be, um, a, a 20 touch guy on a weekly basis. Yeah. hundred percent agree. All right, let's move to wide receivers, uh, starting with Michael Gallup, who, oh, it was so awesome to see Michael Gallup catch a touchdown, but ran around, I think on 80 plus percent of, uh, Cooper Rush's dropbacks. Um, yeah, I, I, Michael Gallup is pretty much back to being regular Michael Gallup, uh, you know, obviously re-injury notwithstanding. Yeah, that was for me, that was the that was the key, right? That um, every time Cooper Rush dropped back, basically Michael Gallup was running a route. There was there was some hidden production to Michael Gallup's day because he had he drew like 65 yards in PI flags, right? Which is <laughs> which is it's frustrating as a fantasy manager, yeah. but that's also yeah. like it's a big deal for the Cowboys. Helpful um, for the he, team, yeah. He is a stress the defense guy and he's, you know, he's good on 50-50 balls. Um, he might be the best receiver on this team in terms of like 50-50 uh, uh, like jump ball situations. Again, I, I know I've made this point before, but he's he's already he's already got a, an 1,100-yard season. Like we've seen what the best of Michael Gallup is and it's really good. Um, it was nice to see, you know, I know he didn't do that much like in terms of box score production other than the touchdown. But it was really nice to see the touchdown as like an improvisational moment between him and Cooper Rush. Like, right, like you you, you would have thought that, okay, you know, my guess would be, OK, Cooper Rush finds a little bit of trouble. He's looking for CeeDee Lamer. He's looking for Noah Brown. But he found he found uh, uh, Michael Gallup, yeah. which was just great to see. And the usage indicates that there's no easing him in. Right. The the easing in of Michael Gallup was the resting him for the for the first three weeks of the season, which, hey, maybe that's what the Bucks should have done with Godwin. I don't know. But now that he's been now, now that he's back, he's like fully back. Yeah, totally agree with you on that one. By the way, I just uh, got onto Twitter real quick to find a stat that I, I'm I'm looking for for one of you guys, and Andrew Luck is trending, which is not what the call. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh no, that's not a good sign. I don't um, know what Andrew Luck is doing right now, but man, it would be great if he like if he owns an island and he's put on a couple hundred pounds and he's just like <laughs> I think he's the exact opposite I'm pretty sure he just from from what I've heard listening to like the I didn't listen to all of the luck podcasts that the athletic did but I listened to some of like the interviews that Zach Kiefer did about it which is you know, great 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 stuff by me um <laughs> I did listen to a couple of the episodes just timing wise not great but anyways uh I think the point of it was like he still lives in Indianapolis and is just like He's sp sometimes oh, spotted around town and he's he's actually lost a lot of weight. I think he looks like pretty, th you know, thin and just like a regular guy. But yeah, um, never so coming back. The, to football, he went like the triathlon route. Sure. 
course. Yeah, 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 exactly right. Um, all right, well, we don't need to break down Andrew Luck on a fantasy podcast in the year 2022, <laughs> that's for sure, uh, because I know Colts fans were just uh, a lot. And the Luck podcast apparently was great. Another couple episodes I listened to about it was great, but it is it is really funny that, you know, every time uh, Zach Kiefer, who's a great, you know, Colts writer for The Athletic, would tweet it out, you just read the mentions, or like the replies from Colts fans. You're like, this is so good, but it hurts so bad to listen to. Yeah. So I'm sorry if any Colts fans are listening to this and and hear this. But um, I don't know. I'm sure I'll, I'm going to reference it again now with Dalton in a couple of days when we preview the damn Colts on Thursday Night Football. Anyways, let's get out of this miserable cycle. Who are some other receivers that people can pick up this week? I'm just going to toss out a couple of boring vets, uh, first of which is Corey Davis, because Zach Wilson loves him some Corey Davis. Um, they connected several times last year. They connected in week four. Um, he's not any sort of priority for me, but as like, you know, if you're thinking of like your fourth priority at receiver as you as you place bids, as you place offers, like keep him in mind for a buck, for two bucks, something like that. Also, I would expect Jacoby Myers to come back pretty soon. I think he was limited in practice all last week. So like normally a guy like that, if he doesn't play, he's real close. And the interesting thing about him, despite the fact that the quarterback situation could be really abysmal, um, Detroit's on the schedule. Um, and, and Detroit is just giving up a zillion yards oh. and zillion points every week and they can't figure it out. And so Jacoby Myers is probably the one Patriots receiver again, if he's, if he's good to go, that I would, that I would feel okay about next week. And then we have some fun rookies to talk about. I know I mentioned George Pickens all the time. Like he was great. Um, a week after, a week after he delivered the catch of the year, which I'm pretty confident is going to hold up for the full season. Um, he goes over a hundred yards. Chase Claypool does nothing except for, you know, bat a, bat a deep ball into the hands of an opposing player, right? Like terrible game for Chase Claypool, just an absolutely miserable effort that would have fit perfectly into his 2021. Um, <laughs> like, like that was, that was exactly last year's version of Chase Claypool. So, uh, Pickens I thought was great. I don't know what it's going to look like with Kenny Pickett, but Kenny Pickett is at least fun in a way that Mitch was not going to be fun. Yes. Um, so, so I think Pickens can be a thing. One of your guys, Alec Pierce, um, has been has been pretty good now a couple of weeks in a row. This is like this is like 140 receiving yards over the last couple of weeks. I love, you know, in the middle of a, a, a ugly day for the for the Colts offense generally. First of all, the visual on this pass was incredible because like, it, you know, shaded field, Matt Ryan throws into into darkness like you couldn't even you couldn't even see where the ball was going but Matt Ryan put like every ounce of strength he had into a into a deep throw that was clearly just like a effort Alec Pierce is out there somewhere in the darkness <laughs> and Pierce settles under a deep ball and and makes a catch like he's I, I like that kind of relationship between a quarterback and a and a receiver, even if it's a sketchy quarterback at this stage of his career. Yeah. So Pierce has been fun and it probably only gets better from here. I mean, you've discussed it before, like Pierce is a, a pretty raw prospect, but wow, does he have athletic tools, right? He's like a it's like a four three guy with a 40 inch vertical um, and they're and they're using him deep. And that's that's been pretty promising. And then the last name I'll throw out is Khalil Shakir uh, in Buffalo. Yeah. Pretty interesting player right now with a great opportunity because, you know, Isaiah McKenzie, unfortunately, was concussed in week four. Jamison Crowder suffers an ankle injury in week four. Shakir found his way onto the field, caught both of his targets. Pretty talented guy with with a really impressive, like, uh, collegiate highlight reel. So Shakir is is probably going to get interesting. Like, if if you can find a spot on your roster for a receiver connected to Josh Allen, I, I would recommend Shakir. 
Yeah, you're talking about one of my guys. Like Khalil Shakir was definitely like my day three receiver that I really liked in this class. And a couple of things here on on Shakir. But before I before I talk about Khalil Shakir, I did I did go on Twitter to get this stat from Jacob Gibbs uh, from CBS Fantasy just on Corey Davis. Corey Davis and Elijah Moore have run 129 routes together with Zach Wilson at quarterback. Targets 31 to 21 in favor of Corey Davis. Air yards 356 to 243 in favor of Corey Davis. PPR points 60.6 to Corey Davis. 24.9 for Elijah Moore. Uh, yeah, yeah, not not what you want to see. Corey Davis yeah. uh, is a good player. I mean, he's a good player. He, he's he's probably just a guy at the wide receiver position, but he's a good player. So uh, good to bring him up here as much as it pains my heart uh, for my guy, Elijah <laughs> Moore. Uh, my guy, Khalil Shakir, though, can beat man coverage, can beat zone coverage. Pretty good, like, slot receiver prospect, although I think they've kind of tried to integrate him at multiple spots. So that is pretty interesting. Um, Crowder, it sounds like, is out for going to be out for a while, like potentially indefinitely. You know, McKenzie might miss a week. Who knows? It's with obviously with concussions. We, we really never know. So you're so right to bring him up. Uh, and I just think he's a good player, man. Like, he has great contact balance, too, in the open field. Like, everybody is trying to be like, Traylon Burks, the next Debo Samuel. Like, stop. Uh, Shakir actually does have, like, some Debo Samuel-ish, like, open field ability with the way he does, like, run outside stretch plays really well. More as a receiver than, obviously, a, a running back. Um, the way he has great contact balance in the open field at Boise state. He was really good at that. So somebody tethered to Josh Allen that I think can play is absolutely on the radar. And, you know, again, behind Stefan Diggs, I know the Gabe Davis bros don't want to hear this. And Gabe Davis has been playing with an injury. He hasn't been a heavily targeted player throughout the, throughout the course of the season. The, The injury certainly has to be taken into account, but he's also like a, a fourth round pick. You know, it's not like Gabe Davis is some dude they drafted in the first round. Like, there is a scenario, probably unlikely, where Khalil Shakir really comes in and balls right away and like is sort of like Gabe Davis was as a rookie who pops up like late in the season. Yeah, I think Davis is going to, and you're right to point out the injury, um, still very early in the season, but there's a there's a pretty good chance that Gabe Davis finds his value this year off of the strength of like three or four games, right? And yeah. there's just a lot of... There's just going to be a lot of dead spots in the in the season, and that's uh, listen. The injury isn't going to make that any better. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it's a quick recovery. Hopefully he's able to play through it. Um, but there's a there's a pretty good chance that he develops into that sort of receiver, which is still useful for fantasy, but it's not the you know absolute like burning supernova that you that perhaps you thought Gabe Davis was going to be. Shakir is also just like I don't know. Give him a quick Twitter search and like just on the highlights alone, like he made some really fun plays at Boise yeah, and Boise state is always a really fun environment. And you, it's not uncommon trying to be diplomatic. Like it's not uncommon for Boise state players to be like the only guy in the camera frame. Right. Uh, occasionally, but <laughs> um, still the, the, the highlights for Shakir were really, really fun. Yeah. hundred percent. Really think he is good at the game. Uh, quarterbacks and tight ends. Certainly no se- season savers here. Definitely not at the tight end position. Um, anyone that's really is important to flag at these spots, Andy. Um, I like, I think Geno Smith has just simply become a playable yep. quarterback in fantasy, which is a little, is a little weird. It's not what I expected. Um, but that like they are, I, I don't want to say they're letting him cook, but they are clearly letting him cook. Um, he, he, um, like he's putting the ball in the air a lot. And when he puts the ball in the air, it's going to DK Metcalf and it's going to Tyler Lockett. And that is a great way to make a living. He, he actually leads the NFL right now in completion percentage. 
And it's crazy. Like he's completing 77.3% of his throws, which is, which is uh, shocking. Like that's I, I just believe like, he is, he is on the other end of that spectrum. Like we talked about with Baker Mayfield in terms of like EPA oh. completion percentage over expectation graph. Like B- Baker is down here. Gino's where you want to be up here. He's like, I'm pretty sure he leads the NFL in completion percentage over expectation. He definitely did come into that game against the Lions. Certainly no reason to think he's dropped. I haven't looked it up, but I know he's, he's fourth in the NFL in EPA per dropback. He shares the top five with Patrick Mahomes, Tua, Josh Allen, yeah. and Jalen Hurts. Like He's been just legit good this year. Yeah, he's just been good. Um, it's not it's not particularly fluky. Um, he he's faced some pretty good. T- I mean, obviously, he's benefiting from the fact that he just faced the Lions and and uh, the, uh, they just couldn't stop anybody. Um, did they have one stop? I think they, they might have had one stop all day. Like just awful. He does have the Saints coming up. That's obviously a little bit more challenging. Um, but still, he's been so good, and the quality of his receivers is is just so high that I think Geno Smith is is probably a guy that you're going to be a twelve team league. We're just going to be starting Geno Smith maybe for a while, which is which is fun. Um, <laughs> somebody somebody associated with the Saints is going to get to face off against the Seattle defense uh, next week, and obviously, you know that that crazy Lions uh, Seahawks game doesn't get as as wild as it was without the Seahawks defense contributing right. to it. They they came into that thing allowing almost nine yards per pass attempt, and then they gave up you know a four touchdown ridiculous day to Jared Goff. In a day when he didn't have Amonara St. Brown, didn't have DJ Chark, didn't have DeAndre Swift. Like, they didn't even have any weapons, and <laughs> yeah, Jared Goff right. went off. Um, Your guy so, TJ Hawkinson even looked good against that team. Oh, defense. my God. They made TJ Hawkinson look like, you know, vintage George Kittle or <laughs> yeah. briefly like the greatest of all Iowa tight ends. It was wild. Um, and I, I, I don't know who's going to be a quarterback for the Saints. Like, it was a bit of a surprise that Jameis Winston couldn't return to practice last week, didn't play. The guy's got multiple fractures in his back. Um, again, I don't know that I would be podcasting if I had that. Um, so it's – I know – no, no disrespect uh, there for not playing football with a uh, broken back. Um, I probably wouldn't. Um, if he if he can return, I'd play him against Seattle. Um, if it's Andy Dalton it, deep league, I might even play Andy Dalton against Seattle. Yeah. Anything at tight end, you've got. Hayden I Hurst. hate this Colt situation. I hate that there's going to be I a Colt tight end that is just going to catch two touchdowns each week or like a touchdown, and we got to talk about him. Like I, I don't. I feel like we have to mention Moali Cox. I would not go chasing Indianapolis tight ends. They like they have a wheel that they spin and it lands on a guy, and th- and that guy catches the touchdown that week. I don't know that it's going to be Moali Cox going forward. I think he's a I think he's a good player. I think he's an interesting athlete. I I I'm not going to make any promises about them. It was Woods a week ago. It's Moali Cox this time. Like they'll invent a guy next week. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, but we're I'm sure we're going to talk about five other Colts tight ends uh, over the course of the season. So I wouldn't I wouldn't place a strong offer for any of these guys. Um, we should mention that Will Disley has now caught. You know I. Just talked about Geno Smith and Will Disley is now up to three touchdowns. Like that, that guy's a sneaky good player. He, he's run more routes over the last couple of weeks than Kyle Pitts, um, which is a sad oh. thing to say, but it is true. <laughs> um, it's not like they're peppering Will Disley with targets, but they obviously like him in the red zone. So he's kind of having the season that like Hunter Henry had last year. Um, and that ends up having a lot of value in fantasy. Other guys, we fat can, ass contract coming off like a huge injury did Will huge Disley. Injury. So yeah, they like yeah. Him. Um, the other guys that I have on the list are you know 
Hayden Hurst has looked really good basically all year, scored a touchdown last week. Matchup this week against Baltimore. Baltimore is obviously giving giving up a ton of yards through the air. And Taysom Hill is a fake tight end and a fake quarterback, and <laughs> a, but a, like a super fun play in fantasy. Scored a touchdown uh, just last week. And he's got, again, he's got Seattle coming up. And we don't know who's going to be playing running back for the Saints. Like maybe it's Murray and, and Ingram again. We don't know who's a quarterback. Like they're, they're clearly going to continue to use the gap version of Taysom Hill. So he's got a decent shot to score in any given week. All right, Andy, let's move to uh, some of our, our our other ones here. We got getting in early. We both put Gus Edwards down here. I'd also say Brian Robinson. Like, don't forget, he's getting activated. Yeah. I, th- I think it was announced today. He's getting activated this week. Uh, we've talked about him on getting in early plenty of times. We don't know when he's actually going to play. Like, they'll have three weeks to actually like they've opened the window. They got three weeks activated. It's the whole thing, right? Like he'll get activated at some point. Keep him in mind. But Gus Edwards also, um, John Harbaugh said he's going to return to practice this week. So JK Dobbins coming off a good game, but we've seen this backfield be split 50, 50 when these two guys are healthy. And they, they generally want to run a committee. Like justice Hill was playing very well, um, left with an injury, unfortunately on, uh, on, on Sunday, that was, that was rough to see, but he was breaking off big runs and like this team just loves Gus Edwards. Um, they, yeah. they love him at the goal line. They love him basically as a, as a guy that they, you know, like he'll take a series. Dobbins will take a series. That's the way they used him. It's, it's not like they each had a specialized role. So I would expect that when Gus Edwards returns, It'll be maybe at first it'll be like, you know, uh, two thirds of the touches go to Dobbins and a third go to Edwards. But I would expect them to get Edwards um, back in the mix right away. And I'm I'm sure nobody's going to be, especially in a week where like we're going to be falling all over ourselves for Mike Boone and some, like some of these other guys. N- nobody's going to fight you for Gus, Gus Edwards, but he is coming back. I guess another name that I would add to this is we mentioned him earlier is Damian Williams, who's uh, at some point going to come back for Atlanta. I think he's first eligible in week six and obviously the Patterson injury uh leaves an opening for him yeah if you're one of those four and oh teams that has just you know have you haven't spent any of your fab so far uh wait till the bidding period ends and like add Gus Edwards uh, yeah add you know Damian Williams like drop your hey if you're if you're four and oh you probably have like Josh Allen Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts uh you could probably just go ahead and drop um drop your backup quarterback drop your backup tight end and uh you know keep it moving from there all right Let's talk about our drops, Andy. Uh, I'll I'll go first and just say I have two rookie receivers. We talked about Traylon Burks. Like you can definitely just go ahead and drop him if you were holding on to hope. Um, Jahan Dotson, I know, is only going to miss one to two weeks, but I also think is a drop um, just because that Washington offense is going to be super volatile. Dotson has the most volatile role of the group, um, and my God, like anytime Carson Wentz runs against a bad defense, bad pass rush, it's not going to be good. So let's uh, you can I don't think we need to further break those guys down like they're hurt. They're not going to help you in the next couple of weeks. You can go ahead and drop them. Uh, Andy, who are your guys? Yeah, the first guy on my list mentioned him earlier was Chase Claypool. Um, What a like this just feels like such a waste of height and athleticism. And like, man, like Chase Claypool came into the league. There was a there was a you know, you didn't have to throw very many criteria at it. But like when you winnowed down like guys with a 40 inch vertical who were at least six, four and 240 pounds and ran a 40 and under four five or something like that, you very quickly got a list that was just Chase Claypool and Calvin Johnson. Not that he ever profiled as Calvin Johnson, right? But like, that's the class of athlete that we were talking about. And what a, what, what an insanely disappointing performance in week four. Yeah. Um, that, that pick that, that Kenny Pickett threw, not, not to say that it was like a beautiful ball or anything like that, but it hit both of Claypool's hands. 
like, what are you here for if not to catch that pass um, in in exactly that situation? So he's just been a rough watch. He was a he was a brutal watch last year, um, full of promise after week one. Like I was really into his usage after week one. But man, I can't I can't wait to I think I still have him on one roster and I he might be the, he might be that guy that I just drop before I even make an ad just yeah. to, just to be rid of it. <laughs> Um, that's probably going to happen. The other guys that I would throw in here, um, Julio Jones, a really strong brand name, but he's, you know, you mentioned it. You've got the notification immediately after the game that Julio Jones <laughs> yeah, has another yeah, thing. Yeah. He's he's going to have a thing all year, and he's not. I mean, in the best case scenario, he's like the number three or four receiving option for that team. So got to move on from him. And it, it certainly appears uh, that the Greg Dortch era um, might yeah. be behind us in Arizona. Um, not heavily involved after the return of Rondell Moore. Not that Rondell Moore was super heavily involved uh, in week four either. Um, kind of a kind of a classic receiving line for Rondell Moore, the three catches for 11 yards. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's how he's used. That's how he's going to be used. Um, but I think whatever your plans were for Greg Dorch, I only bring him up here because we fielded like five questions so on many, Greg Dorch yeah. in Fantasy Football Live. Didn't see that coming. Didn't think that Greg Dorch would be like the recurring theme of the show, but he was. And I think you can now drop him. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, you know, he really fell down uh, the routes run. You know, but it was Rondell Moore that went back out there in the same amount of routes as Marquise Brown. So yeah, it, the Greg Dorch era is over. Richie James also. We got a bunch of Richie James questions. Like, come on, yeah, man, have some self respect. Um, okay, <laughs> hold, our hold on loosely candidates, Andy. Uh, I'll, I'll go first here with Alexander Madison. I don't know if people are going to be tempted to drop him, but you know, if Dalvin Cook is healthy, whatever you picked, like keep keep hanging on to alexander madison because if he ever got dropped he'd be right back up at the top of this list uh so keep him around i'm also keeping these two receivers as well noah brown just because michael gallup's back i think noah brown is still gonna have a role for this team honestly like he's played well he continues to be a crucial part um so if you need receiver depth i'd hang on to him and romeo dobbs man um don't hate dropping because of that you know catch no catch touchdown thing it's the rules the rule man um i i think like i only bring him up I know he scored a touchdown. He has fantasy points. He, he probably is not a guy that people are going to think about dropping. But the fact that he ran, had a one had a great touchdown catch earlier in that game, and two remained involved and a crucial part of the offense during the game win, or the game winning field goal drive, like that says more to me than the drop. But I know like the the cute Twitter talking point is like, oh, Aaron Rodgers will never throw to him again. Well, it's like that's already wrong. He threw to him twice on the game winning <laughs> drive after that. So. Give me a break. I, those are my guys. I think you should keep hanging on to. Yeah, Dobbs is really good. I don't. I don't know that that receiving core has a guy that is just a, a clear number one or going to develop into a clear, you know, so, yeah. absolute alpha. But Do- Dobbs has been very good. Um, like it, it was also pretty telling that they were they were working the heck out of Randall Cobb in that game. So um, that that was a little weird. Um, Tony Randall Romo Cobb was is, very juiced about Randall Go- Randall Cobb. Oh too, yeah, he was. Game. Yeah. Very he totally was. Oh, this is vintage Randall. This is young, spry Randall Cobb. Uh, anyway, with uh, they're all going to get we'll work. Um, yeah, they they all have their role, and Alan Lazard is probably going to lead that receiving core in touchdowns. Um, my guys in the hold on loosely segment. I I only mentioned this first guy because I did feel the question on him. Um, and I imagine it's a shallow league. I imagine it's an eight team league, a ten team league. Maybe it's maybe it's your mom's league. I don't know. But somebody was asking about <laughs> dropping Antonio Gibson. I think it's a little premature to drop Antonio Gibson. Like maybe this is maybe this is lingering bitterness because you were mildly disappointed in him last year when he played through a broken leg and still touched the ball three hundred times and had a decent year. Um, when it was all said and done. 
I think he's a good player. Um, the Brian Robinson story is going to be fun, and Robinson is definitely somebody who needs to be stashed right now. But let's just let's just wait and see how this plays out. Because if Antonio Gibson still settles in as somebody who's getting a dozen touches, fifteen touches, that's that's still plenty playable. And then the other the other guy that I'm gonna I'm going to, I'm going to hold, I like, I got no excuses for most tight ends this year. There's like, you know, Hawkinson had a day and Mark Andrews is obviously great. And Kelsey is great. And I like, I don't know that I can recommend any other tight ends officially, but I would hold on to Dawson Knox. Um, Cause again, he's a guy tied to Buffalo's offense and, but you know, we're probably going to have no McKenzie this week. Um, we're certainly going to have no Crowder. It's going to be down to Diggs, Shakir and, and Dawson Knox at some point has to score a touchdown. McKenzie, I was thinking about this earlier. Um, Isaiah McKenzie is having almost exactly the statistical season that I thought Dawson Knox would have, right? Like he's, even when he's not getting a lot of targets, he's catching touchdowns. Like he's basically having the Knox year from, uh, from 2021. Sooner or later, Dawson Knox is going to find the end zone for you again. I hope you're right because I drafted a lot of Dawson Knox. So uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm holding on loosely, Andy. And uh, you know, I drafted a lot of uh, Dawson Knox and Moali Cox as like the number two, like deep stash guy on 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 bigger bench leagues. And there's like 25 points on the bench. Well, you know, Dawson Knox continues to have Dawson Knox lines. Yeah. That hurt me, Andy. So I'm, I'm holding on loosely as well. All right. Now it's time for the segment that me, you, all the Treviso babes, bro, uh, and, and like five other people love. It's time to guess who was dropped in my mom's league, Andy. And I'll say this, man, um, the Treviso Babes League, you know, my mom, if you've missed it, is playing fantasy football for the first time this year. And and, and they're into it, man. You know, they're by the way, they're in Naples, Florida. Like they've had a they've had a rough go of it, uh, the the Treviso Babes the last week or so with Hurricane Ian, but they're all hanging out in like one person's house. And my mom said they're having like a football watching party. She's texting me you know, pictures of, of them saying like, tell Andy how young and spry we are. Like, you know, we're, <laughs> we don't play cards. We play golf and tennis and pickleball. They, she's trying to get them on the, on the damn podcast. Uh, Denise, I mean, Denise is mom's sending me videos of Denise literally talking trash to me because she dropped Michael Pittman <laughs> and he had like 4.6 weeks. Hey, I didn't hear Denise chirping at me when he caught eight passes the week before mom, but that's another topic for another day. Andy, can you guess who are the two people? We got two big ones this week, uh, and, and I'll give you a hint for each one. The first one is a young running back who had a monster game yesterday. And when I say running back, he's either in his first or second season. By the way, mom picked up this player because she badly needed a running back, and it helped her probably go to 4-0. Oh, boy. Is it... Uh... Uh, so I'm going to say that this is... If, if they had a huge game, this is either Damian Pierce or this is J.K. Dobbins. It is Damian Pierce. I don't know yeah. why Damian Pierce was dropped, but uh, you know, my mom, like I said, she knows D- that Damian Pierce was coming off a good game. I know, <laughs> I know. dude. I know, and and again, I'm not helping her. I'm not cheating. But she, I, I said, like, just make sure you check in the waiver wire. Who's getting dropped in this league? Damian Pierce, man, she needed a running back. Actually, did need a running back because her RB two was Rashad Penny. Ended up playing Pierce over Penny didn't really make a big difference but uh yeah so damien pierce welcome to uh you know beverly's reasonable team or whatever the (laughs) none of them have changed their team name by the way they oh they all have the auto-populated team i mean they all have yeah they're very very busy those pickleball tournaments never stop um yeah they're they're far too busy to change the team names 100 percent. all right a second player who was dropped um this is a consent was a consensus top six drafted tight end. It's not George Kittle, who I've mentioned before, has been dropped like three times in this league and is currently <laughs> is currently on my mom's roster. Um, it is either 
it is either Kyle Pitts, which I can almost defend, or it is Dallas Goddard. <laughs> Neither. It's actually Darren Waller. He was dropped. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Yeah. And was someone else added Darren Waller. So he he's not no longer on the waiver wire. He was picked up yesterday. So it wasn't uh, a so, drop drop Darren Waller add Matt Collins move. I mean, dude, it might have been. I, I didn't look at the <laughs> I didn't look at the transaction. It, it, it sure might have been, man. So uh that was pretty funny. Those are two guys. I mean, the Damian Pierce one was like, wow, okay. I mean, you know, mom's like someone dra- dropped this Pierce guy. I'm like, you, you go. Yeah. Good. Good call. Good. Uh, he's like, I added this I, Pierce guy. I kind of sort of get one. it when they're when they're injured or when they're coming off like random dud games. Like I, I definitely Mike Evans see that. suspended, you know? Yeah. You'll see that in hometown leagues. But usually a guy who just I mean, what did Pierce run for against Chicago's like 80 yards and a touchdown? touchdown right? Right? He, was, yeah. he was good. Uh, he fumbled a little, but I but I doubt they punished him for his fumbles by dropping it. Like, this is this is a clearly good player who is going to be one of the right answers in fantasy. Well, these these ladies are old school. You know, you you put the ball on the turf, you you get your ass sent to the, <laughs> Unacceptable. Sent to the waiver wire. Unacceptable yep. mistakes. Yeah, you can't you get the Lawrence Maroney on. treatment. Yep. A hundred percent, you know, on who's ever awesome or reasonable team out there. I don't even know who dropped them. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Damian Pierce, man. All right, that is going to do it for us. You can follow Andy on Twitter at Andy Barons. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there, follow the at Yahoo Fantasy account for all of the best tweets possible in the fantasy game. If you like the show, make sure to leave us a five-star review on whichever podcast platform you're listening on. It would really, really help us out. Chargers running back Austin Eckler coming off a big game. Thank God we'll be back tomorrow for another great episode of Eckler's Edge. Until then, we're out. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.